Good morning and welcome to Faith FM. You're listening to the breakfast show on 87.6, 87.8, or 88 FM. You're here listening to Lawson and Mon instead of Lyle and Mon as Lyle has abandoned us. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, Classic Lyle move. <laughs> it's just fresh <laughs> in for the new year and then leaves immediately. Nah, nah, it's all good. Lyle is uh, currently with his wife, Shell, one of our other producers, and they are driving as we speak down to uh, Melbourne, down to Namthong. Mm-hmm. So when we started the show this morning, they were in Goulburn. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I guess a little bit further along now. And uh, Lyle will be down there preaching for five days or so. So he'll be back in back in next week. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we had the lovely Lawson filling in for us, which we love. We love it when you come in, Lawson, because you're so enthusiastic about doing radio. just love it. We know it's in safe hands when we get Lawson to come in and fill in. Wow, that's a lot of confidence. Yeah. Just. And of course, you're listening to delayed broadcast introduction. I'm sure all our delayed broadcast listeners are aware now that they are delayed listeners. Uh, So today is Wednesday, the 9th of January, and I'm not sure when it is you're getting this broadcast. But if you would like to jump across the live show, you know how it's done. You go via the website or you go via the TuneIn app. But our favorite way is when you call us up on 1-800-FAITH-FM and you pester us to get the live Mm -hmm. broadcast in your X section. Because that kind of like fixes the problem. Problem. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So just just give us a call and have a go. We, we, tell them that Mon said you're allowed to have a go, and uh, and uh, and tell us that you want the live broadcast in your area. Now today coming up, we have a great show. Oh, Lawson, yeah. before I get any further with the new show, what are you grateful for this morning? Oh, I am so grateful um, to be here. I'm grateful, happy to be here. Um, happy that God is doing an amazing work um, in our community in the church that I'm working for. And uh, yeah, no, I'm just I'm just stoked. Life is good. Yeah. God is good. You know, just coming hot off a hot off a nice break. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. What about emphasis, emphasis on the word hot. Yeah, yeah look, when we <laughs> when we started the show, I said that, you know, I was trying to stay positive because this was positively different radio, um, Faith FM. Uh-huh. And uh, my my computer had crashed right before we went live. And so I was trying to stay positive and see the the positive side of things and say, Do you know what? I, I guess I am blessed to live in a country where I can have a you know, an Apple Mac yeah. laptop, you know, that's what I should be grateful for. And uh, and I asked people to pray that my computer would come back to life. And it, and it did. did. So yeah, our listeners uh, on the live broadcast prayed for uh, for my laptop. And my laptop, uh, by halfway through the show, was all back in action. So you'll hear more about that throughout the, um, the rest of this show. And uh, I'm very grateful to be sitting here right now at the end of the live broadcast and the beginning of the delayed broadcast, staring at a perfectly functioning laptop. Amazing. Yes, indeed. Okay, Coming out, we have a great show. We're discussing some hot topics. Dry mm-hmm. January. Stay tuned to find out what that's all about. Mm-hmm. And uh, and of course, uh, Lawson's going to be opening a can of worms oof, about immigration. Oof, immigration. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8, or 88, or maybe on the internet or the TuneIn app. We don't know, but we're just glad that you're listening here on this lovely Wednesday morning. And we're now up to the part in our show where we do... Where we stop the show and Mon oh. requests that everyone please, please, please pray for her laptop because oh, okay. it just died. I don't know what happened. Oh, I've got a light. Here we go. Yeah, so I was I was getting up my news stories before the show mm. started, and it suddenly just froze, and then it just went to black, and now I'm sitting here slowly panicking. <laughs> it's okay. The last thing you need before you're about to go overseas for two months on a mission trip is mm. for your laptop to die, especially because yeah, I need to take my laptop so I can continue um, broadcasting on Faith FM. So, mm. yeah, uh, please pray that it's all all working functionally. I'm going to do the show from my phone this morning. This is this is the new wave. This is how I do it every time. I just use my phone. Like. <laughs> but you're like uber millennial. I'm okay. like I'm like a zennial. Right. That's I'm, in between. I'm a, I'm a super duper millennial. <laughs> super duper. Right. Hit us. Hit us with the first. Let clue for the quiz. Let me hit you with the quiz this morning. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is a great quiz because it has a wonderful prize attached, which I'll tell you more about. Our prize actually is linked to my first good news story today. So okay. listen up for that. Okay. Who am I? Clue number one. Two of my wives were Hittite women named Judith and Basimath. Basemath is how it's, ba- how it's base spelt. <laughs> but I'm sure it's more like Bathamath or something like that. It's something quite pretty and I'm just butchering Ooh. it. Do you know who it is, Lawson? Any idea I, who that is? I... You're blank, I, aren't I you? I am so blank You didn't right even know now. there was a Judas and a Bethlehem in the Bible, oh, did you? Man, I am struggling. <laughs> Lyle's probably laughing at me in the car right I don't know. Now. I have a feeling Lyle would be stumped as well. Lyle, if you know what it is, just text me. Don't don't gloat. Don't gloat. Just text. <laughs> text but you I'm know the answer. Lost. I'm not going to make an attempt, but I am going to make an attempt next time. Clearly, this guy had multiple wives because it okay. says two of my wives, so obviously there must be more. So they're Hittite women, Hittite Judas, women. Judas and Basemath. Basimeth. I have an idea of, of what kind of person this would be, but I, I just don't know who it is. So, If you know the answer, give us a call now. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text 0491-064-669. I'll give you the texting number again because people complain we say it too slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, too fast, I mean. <laughs> 0491-064-669. And today's prize, get this right, I'm giving away a copy of a wonderful, amazing book. We've actually interviewed the author of this. It's called Uncorked, The Hidden Hazards of Alcohol. Mm-hmm. It's written by Dr. John F. Ashton, who we've interviewed here before, and mm-hmm. also uh, Dr. Ronald S. Laura. Um, so this is a really great book. And the reason it's a great book at the moment, uh, it's, it's, it's all, obviously it's all about the hidden dangers of alcohol <laughs> and the not-so-hidden dangers of alcohol. Alcohol is a very yes. big, in-your-face problem. Yeah. Uh, so it looks beyond the myths about alcohol, reveals uh, facts about the effects on the body and society. It explores links uh, with adverse health effects such as cancer, brain damage, sexual dysfunction and social harm, including violent behavior, sexual assault, relationship breakdown and road and workplace accidents. So this is based on um, uh, research studies as well as clinical and community observation. Uh, it's it's actually an easy, easy, it's easy to read. It's not hard to understand. Like, sure, it covers the science um, behind the effects of alcoholism, or just not even alcoholism, just the use of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but it is actually a lot easier to read than you'd think a, a sciencey book would be. So, uncork the hidden hazards of alcohol by Dr. John Ashton and Dr. Ronald Laura. <coughs> now, the reason that this one is important, um, 
Lawson is because Lyle and I actually forgot the last two days uh, since we've been back on air to mention that it's dry January. Yeah. Now, we've been doing dry July, I think, for a few years now, and uh, and we pro- promoted that when we were on air back in J- July 2018, all the way back then in 2018, yeah. <laughs> so long ago. Forever ago. But they've now also instigated dry January, and I'm really happy about it. And uh, and the reason I was happy about it, uh, it turns out that I'm corrected my assumption, it's scientifically proven that when you do something like dry January at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. it actually sets the course for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So it benefits the whole year round, and I want to I want to give you some um, some of the the study results they have uh, from people having taken part in dry January. So you can actually this is like the headline is give yourself a dry January that you'll lose up uh, sorry you'll lose weight, save money, and sleep better. Mm-hmm. That's like I'm like I want all Dude, of those on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even drink and I want those. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's really great. So it's an, it's it is it is like a New Year's challenge. Um, the idea, if you don't know what dry January is, is you abstain from drinking alcohol for the month of January. Um, and apparently, this it, it'll definitely help uh, regain your control of your drinking. You'll mm. have more energy. You'll have better skin. It'll help you to quit smoking. Uh, you'll lose weight and you'll drink less in the following months. Um, so mm. they did this in the University of Sussex, um, and also it was a, it was a combined study with uh, Sussex University and also the Oregon University, mm-hmm. and. Um, they studied over 800 people who took part in dry January last year, and it shows that the participants were still actually drinking less come August. Yeah, wow. So, like, it, it really did set the course for the whole year. And, uh, yeah, so the, the drinking days fell from four to three per week. Uh, so, drinking average from 8.6 to 7.1, and, uh, and the, report, the reports of being drunk dropped from three to two times per month. Wow. Of drunkenness. So it's, it is amazing how it just affects your mind to do something at the beginning of the year rather than the middle or at the end of the mm-hmm. year. Um, the, I love this. They said there are considerable immediate benefits. Almost all the people saved money. Seven in ten slept better. Uh, three in five lost weight. Interestingly, these changes in alcohol consumption are also seen in p- participants who didn't manage to stay alcohol-free for the whole month. Mm. So even if they cracked and had like one drink halfway through, they still got these benefits. Wow. Um, the benefits are a little bit smaller, but th- compared to people who um, who stuck with it. So 93% of participants had a sense of achievement. 88 saved money. 80% felt they were more in control of their drinking. 76% learned more about when and why they drink. And that's a good one to sort of realize why it is that you drink. 71% realized they don't need a drink to enjoy themselves. 70% had it generally improved health. 71% slept better. 67% had more energy. 58 lost weight. 57 had better concentration. And 54% had better skin. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's. I feel like there's no bad point to to like doing dry dry January. Yeah, it's incredible. And then this is this is the big one that they started talking about, and they found that people who are who are drinking and who are trying to quit smoking, um, that when they reduce their alcohol use, it can actually help them quit their daily smoking habit. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the two are very intertwined, not yeah. just with the physical effects when you do them together, but also the mental, like the psychological effects. Mm-hmm. So a heavy drinker's nicotine um, um, metabolite ratio, which is a biomarker that indicates how quickly a person uh, metabolizes the nicotine, was reduced as they cut back their drinking. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Like it actually, like the alcohol is stopping you from quitting smoking. So, and this, but this has been, this is nothing new. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but doing dry January, because people are often trying. It's one of the biggest, along with losing weight, quitting smoking are the two biggest New Year's resolutions that people make. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, and it's crazy because doing a dry January helps with both of those things. Mm. Uh, anyway, so this is – I wish I could read the entire study to you, but it is quite long. And just the just the science behind like how people have been helped so wonderfully by doing um, dry January is really great. So that's why I wanted to give away today, Lawson, um, a copy of Uncorked, The Hidden Hazards of Alcohol, to maybe inspire you. Like I know that we're already like a week or so into mm-hmm. January, but um, as it said with the study, even if you start late or even if you crack partway through, the benefits mm-hmm. are still there. So definitely jump on board and uh, and try out for a dry January. I'm going to do a dry January. Are you going to do a dry January? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty on board with the dry yeah, January. Yeah, In too. fact, oh man, it, it's honestly the best decision I ever made yeah. was to give up drinking in my life. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's affected my life and my my mental health. Um, you know, of course, my physical health, but mentally, and I'm just I, I'm in such a better place than I was than you know because yes. of my 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 alcohol Absence, con- yeah. con- mm-hmm. consumption, mm-hmm. which is yeah, what a blessing that that people are really putting out there that hey. Alcohol is bad for you, and and we want better for you. And yeah, yeah. Participate. Doing dry January won't just affect you positively; it'll actually infect your entire um, peer circle better. Mm. Like your entire society, whoever's in your environment will benefit from you drinking mm-hmm. less, or you just not drinking for January. And it's so true. You know, if you're a father, you know your kids and your wife will benefit. If you're a mother, you know your kids and your husband. Whoever it is that you are, even if you're like me and you're single and don't have any dependents, <laughs> like everyone around you will benefit from 100%. you not drinking. Yeah. And because how old are you? 20. You're 20. So you stopping drinking at that early age mm-hmm. has benefited your life oh. already, which is which is quite Incredibly. quite telling of the, the negative force that alcohol is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we encourage you to do dry January. Of course, here we encourage you to dry all year, but <laughs> give us a call if you do the answer to the quiz. You stretched your arms
Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia. You're here with your hosts, Lawson and Monica and Mon. Yes, i got good news, everyone. Thank oh. you so much for praying. <laughs> My laptop's back in action. Yeah, the laptop. Yeah, the laptop. I think it just went, I just, I don't know. I just was like, Do you know what? Stuff this. I need a break. <laughs> I have a little power nap. <laughs> so, uh, but it's back in action. I've just uh, managed to get it to come back up again and it's, yeah, awake. I'm really, I'm really, um, I'm really blessed with this laptop because I did buy it back in 2012, which mm-hmm. shouldn't be old for a, a product, but apparently every time I go to the Apple store, they're all amazed that it's still in working condition. But I, I take very good care of it. But enough about my laptop, and thank you again for the prayers. Uh, it's now working again. Let me tell you the second clue for okay. our Who Am I quiz. Okay. Clue number two. My wives and I were a source of grief to my parents. Mm. He's writing something down and he has it correct. <laughs> Lawson knows the answer, even though he grossly misspelled that. But <laughs> I know what I know what you meant. Lawson knows the answer. If you know the answer, give us a call now, one eight hundred Faith FM, and you'll get uh, today's prize, which is a copy of Uncorked the Hidden Hizzards of his Hidden Hizzards. <laughs> the Hizzards. <laughs> the hidden hazards of alcohol. So, yeah, give us a call if you'd like to pick up a copy of that and you know the answer to our quiz. All right. Lawson, what's going on around the world? Man, some wild stuff is going on around the world. Yeah. One of the biggest themes that we're seeing in world news at the moment is just absolute immigration insanity. Isn't it just, it's just bonkers? Just border, you know, border, border security and all these things. Um, people are just going crazy. We're seeing in America, half of the American government is currently shut down because of Donald Trump's um, campaigning for this wall. Yeah. He wants to get this wall, I can't, man. I can't, I can't believe this it wall. It is insane. In fact, I heard the other day that Tens of thousands of people are currently not working and losing money because because their sector of the government has been, been shut down. Sh- yeah, been shut crazy. down to try and get this this wall through. But this isn't you know something that's having happening just in America or just in Europe. Right here in Australia, we're seeing so much tension over this over immigration and border security. Um, as you would have seen maybe in, in, in the news over the last couple of days, there was a large rally down in St. Kilda Beach in Melbourne. Oh, really? Um, over, well, it's, it's this cra- crazy thing. So a bunch of <clears throat> anti-immigration protesters or an anti-immigration rally got together um, and they were basically protesting, oh, hey, we don't want immigration from, you know, we, we don't want to Im- have any immigration from any Muslims and we don't have want any immigration for, for any Africans and, you know, we want to keep our, our country safe because if we let those guys in, then we're unsafe. And they were met then with anti-racism protesters who were then, you know, having this, this protest clash and, and fight um, on St. Kilda Beach over you know, over this whole idea of, of racism and immigration. Um, this was, you know, of 
course, blown up by the fact that there was a, a senator by the name of Fraser Anning who was attending the rally. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just wild and, and out of control. People just on both sides of the spectrum just just fighting. Um, we're also seeing, man, some, some crazy stuff at the moment. There's currently a woman. Her name is Rahaf uh, Alkanin. Is this the one that's at Hold Up in yeah, Bangkok? she's in yeah. Bangkok at the moment, and she's trying to, to seek asylum away from her her family. Um, she's a Saudi woman who denounced Islam and believes that if she if she goes back to her family, she'll be, you know, killed. Yeah. Um, so she's currently seeking asylum, to which Australia has said, okay, we're considering you, um, you know, giving you a um, a refugee status visa and, and actually... You know, I was thinking about this, that this morning with the whole refugee status for this chick. If Australia is successful in getting her to come here and giving her um, asylum... Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that they'll actually paint a target on Australia for Oof. for Islamic extremists in Saudi? Mm. Well, this is this is the thing. We're also seeing the other side of this coin here. Um, another thing that's been blowing up in the news is a guy by the name of Neil Pakesh, who is an Australian Fijian um, national, um, is currently in the midst of this diplomatic war of of words between Australia and Fiji because essentially um, the guy moved from Australia to Syria um, to fight with ISIS, um, with Islamic State, and was very much a part of their propaganda campaign. You know, there was a lot of videos published of him on the internet saying, you know, things, um, you know, pro-IS and, oh, hey, you know, encouraging... Um, people to jihadists to carry out lone wolf attacks in Australia. Just this oh, no. wild. He's got to go. Yeah, yeah. He's so, got to go. So he's in this place now where he wants to return back to Australia. No, no. And there, and but Australia has revoked his citizenship. Absolutely. And because they're like, oh, well, basically, he's also a Fijian citizen, so we can revoke his citizenship legally. Like, you know, we could probably do it anyway, based on the fact that he he left Australia, mm-hmm. but. No, we can just do it quick and easy because he's a citizen of Fiji. While simultaneously, Fiji is saying, well, he's he's never been a citizen of Fiji and he's never been here before. So, man, it's just... Fiji saying he's never been there before he's, he's never Fijian. been there before, even though he's he's Fijian. He's very clearly a, a, a dark-skinned man. Wait, wait, wait. Um, Does that, but that could just mean that his parents migrated to Australia and yeah. had a kid here and he was born here. Yeah, 100%. But they're saying... But no, he still he, has a Fijian passport. Yeah, no, but they're saying that he doesn't. he's not even a Fijian citizen. Okay, well, okay. So they're like, no, nah, he's not from Fiji. He doesn't have citizenship. And this is is leaving this guy um, basically stateless, which when you think of the context of him, you know, literally but being, you know a, what? being a Good. terrorist. Yeah. If <laughs> I was Fiji and if I was Australia, I'd be doing those exact two things. If you want to wage war mm-hmm. on my country by inciting terrorist acts, you best believe you ain't coming back here. And this sort of loops back around to these protests that are happening and this big movement of people. I think ever since 2014, um, when we saw the, the, the siege of the, the Lint Cafe down in Sydney, mm-hmm. um, that sparked this whole menta- this, this big movement and mentality in Australia. It, it single-handedly restarted the One Nation Party, but as well as that, we're seeing, um, just this, yeah, this mentality of people who are very anti-immigration. Who are like, oh, if, if we let these people in, you know, then they're gonna uh, be violent and they're gonna cause crime and and they're gonna do all these terrible things. Um, 
But we're seeing in both of these cases, so we have this this Saudi woman seeking asylum and then this guy who is a literal terrorist um, who's trying to get back in the country. Both times, Australia's made a judgment call and has done the right thing. Yeah. So, they've said, okay, this is an 18-year-old woman, you know, who has denounced her family religion, so she's going to be killed. A rightful asylum seeker. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to consider letting her in. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, we have a known terrorist. So, yeah. we're straight up shunning him. And it's like, man, you know, how how can you possibly come to the conclusion that we're that we're make, taking the wrong steps on immigration or asylum when we're seeing right here in very prolific cases that we're doing I think you've just, uh, like, the right thing. I think you've just emotionalized that whole thing by saying that we're shunning him. We're not shunning him. We're keeping our citizens safe. 100%. That's what we're doing. And I think the people who are protesting what happened there are trying to add an element of emotion which doesn't really exist. Like, we're not – it's not like, you know what, we're going to get back at you. Blah, blah, blah. It's not like a revenge or a shunning uh-huh. thing. It's just, you know what, we need to keep our citizens safe. 100%. You've declared terrorism on us, so you're not coming. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing that we're seeing, you know, from this this group of people that they're like, oh, hey, like, don't don't let these kinds of people in because – They'll they'll cause you know they'll commit crimes and and they'll make us less safe less safe. We just have to look at the the empirical data, like you know the the unbiased statistics of things. Um, because one of the big things that sparked this protest down in St Kilda Beach is um, apparently there's these African gangs who are going around robbing people and and um, committing crimes and assaulting people. But you have to actually go to the data and see that you know these this is one person in in thousands and thousands and thousands of of refugees who are causing crimes and i think at that point man if we can if we can you know give immigrants a better life uh, you know people who are going to add to australia um if we can give refugees asylum uh, asylum and 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 one in 20,000 of them is going to to commit a crime or is going to be bad news you know to the point where they have to end up in jail or their asylums revoked. Well, I think that's worth it. You know, I think that it's such a low number that, that, hey, like, you know, for the sake of being the country that we are, where we love and accept people, then we should. Interesting view from Lawson there. If you disagree, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. Let's discuss it.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia. Joining us today in the studio for the first of a, uh, a multi-part series is Dr. Barry Harker. Now, Dr. Barry Harker has spent a lifetime in education. Uh, as a part of that, he has shown particular interest in world events, uh, in religious liberty in particular, written a number of books now. Barry, how many books have you written now? Five. Five books now. Author of five different books. And um, I recently attended a lecture that he was presenting here um, in the Newcastle Lake Macquarie region um, a couple of days ago titled The Unraveling. Um, and I think we're talking about the unraveling of Western culture. Now, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail in just a moment. But, Barry, before we go there, we've been talking a lot over the uh, the end of last year and now into this year because this is going to be a, an issue that over the next several months is just of incredible importance, of utmost importance. That is the issue of religious liberty. Now, uh, we've had you know a history of religious liberty here in Australia that I think all of us as Australians have taken for granted. Um, take us back through a little bit of the history of how we have religious liberty, why we have religious liberty, and, uh, and then we'll also talk a little bit about what it is like to live without religious liberty. Where did it originate? Where did the concept of religious liberty originate here in Australia? I think if you look at it in historical terms, um, religious liberty is as old as the Bible, for example. Um, Jesus himself said um, in Matthew 22, he said, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. In other words, there is to be two separate spheres in relationship to civil society and also um, people's religious beliefs. Those need to be kept separate, otherwise you end up with persecution and oppression. That's a historical record. And I think that's a, a pretty wise thing to do because I think initially if you take the scriptural view of history, you would see that God intended um, through the Israelites in ancient times to create a center of influence in the world for the truth, the biblical truth. And uh, yet at the same time, he also wanted to preserve people's freedom not to have to adopt that religion if they so chose. And so he also endorses civil society so that people who choose not to take a religious point of view 
or his religious point of view, can also live unmolested in society. Now, it doesn't mean that there isn't some ultimate accountability to God, but what it does mean is that God, as a God who chooses to give us freedom, and by the way, freedom is the ba- you know freedom is the basis of um, any worthwhile lifestyle. Mm. Freedom so, is the basis of love. Yeah. Without freedom, you don't have love. Yeah. So, so God gives people freedom. So he has a civil society and he also has pe- religious believers. And so he wants to keep those separate to preserve the rights of both groups. Now, Australia's had a remarkably tolerant society, given that religious liberty really is only a couple of hundred years old. I mean, it came out of, in, in most recent times, it came out of the Reformation. Uh, but there were religious wars for several centuries after that. And uh, I think the Americans finally decided that they didn't want to bring the religious conflicts uh, of Europe into their new republic in, in the 1780s and 1790s when, when they were establishing their, their, um, their republic. And so as a consequence we in Australia adopted the First Amendment, or largely the First Amendment, of the United States Constitution. So it's the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights. And so when we federated in 1901, we basically took several parts out of that um, First Amendment and made that Section 116 of our Constitution. Now at the time there was a debate about whether we should have a state church, like an English state church, uh, a number of the major denominations were more than happy to have the church and state combined, as they still are in Britain, although perhaps more loosely than in times past. But uh, the idea prevailed that we needed to separate church and state so that you wouldn't have to, um, to meet some religious test to get a public office, for example. Uh, by the same token, you would be able to um, worship... Uh, present your beliefs publicly, promote them publicly and defend them in the public domain and yet the society wasn't to be dominated by religious ideas or beliefs. People were able to have those but there was also to be a civil society but didn't mean the two were completely opposed, it just meant that they needed to live comfortably together. Mm. There needed to be religious liberty, and yet there also needed to be a situation where religious beliefs could not be imposed on the unwilling in our society. And it's a, it's a situation that I think has served us well here in Australia since Federation. Um, you know, we live in a culture that is vastly different from the culture that existed back then, religiously, and it's enabled Australia to grow and to flourish and to become, you know, what's often called the lucky country, um, a country where, you know, the majority of the nations of the world are jealous of the freedom and the liberty and the, and the, uh, and the peace and the prosperity that we have here in this country. That's why people are wanting to come into the country. And uh, I think one of the most important things that we in Australia have that makes human flourishing possible here is religious liberty. Mm. Look at the places around the world where you have theocracies, where the the church or the religion, prevailing religion, essentially rules the state, uh, state decisions, um, where you have persecution and oppression. That's not the sort of society that I want to live in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, as I look back and knowing something about history, if I had to choose somewhere to be born... Uh, in time and place to make human flourishing possible 
or most possible, I would have chosen Australia post-war, post-Second World War. Mm-hmm. And that's my generation. Yeah. Um, we had the best of everything. And I believe that now we're so... Not just a lucky country, but the lucky generation as well. Yeah. Now, we in Australia have got a little bit of a different situation to the United States. In the United States, they had a, they had a tradition of religious liberty. Now, by the way, they'd had almost two centuries of religious conflict leading up to the formation of their constitution. So when they, when they put their religious liberty um, amendment together, essentially they were trying to ensure that that, that that history didn't carry over into their republic. For Australia, we didn't have so much of a tradition of religious liberty. We adopted the American model, but we've never had the intense attachment to the concept as the Americans have had. But today we're seeing uh, a push against religious liberty across the world, and perhaps in and uh, one of the next sessions we'll be looking at how that came to be mm-hmm. and what the issues are and what's at stake, mm-hmm. particularly in the situation here in Australia. And I find that very significant because, you know, it's almost like society um, attacking itself. You can look around the world and you won't find anyone who wants to live in a country where there is no religious liberty. You know, it, it just, you know, everybody who has lived in a country where there, where there is oppression wants to get out of that country. And when they're out of it and you talk to them about it, you know, whether it's a communist regime or an Islamic regime or a uh, Hindu regime or whatever it might be, um, they all look at countries that have liberty and freedom. And that's, the, the, the average person's desire across the board, and yet we have that, and now we're starting to fight against it. It's counterintuitive. Um, and you wonder, how, why is it that, you know, our society is fighting against itself like that? Well, I've been doing some research, and uh, it seems pretty clear to me that we are adopting ideas that originated in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those ideas, um, I believe, were underpinning the French Revolution. And I think what's happened is that the French Revolution has internationalised. And that's why we're seeing this conflict in the West, particularly over religious liberty. You've got to remember that uh, at the French Revolution, the, um, the revolutionaries wanted to take the resources of the church and apply those to developing the new republic. And so they, you know, took all the abbeys and uh, and tried to turn them into cash, essentially, to run the new republic. And uh, there was dechristianization. There was a push against the Roman Catholic Church, for example. And what's what we're seeing today is that this has become internationalized. So the same ideas that led to the French Revolution and that applied against religion in the French Revolution are now pushing at the religious liberties of the Western world. Okay, so let's talk about the French Revolution, because the French Revolution really was a push by the French people for liberty, mm-hmm. for freedom. That's what they were after. But it self-destructed. It, 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 uh, it, it destroyed itself. Well, there were three things. There was liberty, equality, and fraternity. These were the three watchwords that came up. They were particularly used later in the, in the French Revolution. But liberty and equality were really important concepts. They were trying to do a radical levelling of um, people in society. So instead of all the distinctions between, you know, the church, the nobles and so forth, and the bourgeoisie, uh, they wanted to flatten it out completely. 
and say you're just citizen, you're just a citizen, everyone was a citizen. In some ways it's a worthy goal. I think uh, sometimes the stratification in our society uh, means that some groups get left out. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I don't sort of rail against the idea in general, but in practice it worked out to be pretty devastating for people's uh, lives. For example, later in the uh, French Revolution, from around mid-1793 to 1794, you had the terror. You you had about 40,000 people who were guillotined most of them on extrajudicial extra grounds, um, basically because this was considered necessary, almost like cracking a, a few eggs to make an omelette. You know, if you're going to make a new society, then you're going to have to maybe um, justify, uh, you know, the old ends, ends means justification. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I just feel that... Um, we need to look very carefully at the ideas that are pushing for radical equality and identity in our society today. Before you come to that, that's where the conflict is. That is, from. that is absolutely where the conflict is. Before you come to that, you've got two revolutions at the end of the 18th century there. You've got the French Revolution, you've got the American Revolution that produce vastly different long term results. Yes. Could we take a moment to just explore that? You know, where does the where does the the ideas of the French Revolution end up? Where does the ideas of the American Revolution end up? And while both of these are revolutions where you have, you know, the average person on the street, you know, breaking free and fighting for liberty and freedom, how do they go such vastly different directions? Well, historically, the um, the Americans followed the English philosopher John Locke, and uh, so he had a tremendous influence on the development of their republic. There was also a French uh, philosopher, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, in the 18th century. He um, had a more profound influence on the French Revolution. They both had influences across those two revolutions, but... The issue, as we um, would describe it, would be that in the f- in the American Revolution, they put liberty above equality. Mm-hmm. So they wanted liberty first of all, and they wanted liberty from the from the British, what they thought was um, British oppression, and uh, and so they were particularly focused on liberty, equality. Yes, I mean it was there, but it wasn't a feature. For example. Um, at the time, they had a slave was only worth two thirds of a of a white person essentially, and so it took decades after that, right up to the uh, American Civil War in the eighteen sixties, to try to resolve the issues of equality. And in fact, it wasn't wasn't um, really addressed until the nineteen sixties, when you had the civil rights movement in the United States, where equality began to become something. Um, that black people, for example, in the United States could expect from their institutions. Uh, it's not fully re- it's not fully resolved today. There's always there is always going to be racism in our society. So you see, the American the American path was putting liberty above equality. And if you look at American culture, you can see they're very strong on indi- um, gun rights, uh, indi- you know, individual independence individual rights and so forth. And so they're much more attuned to the liberty than the equality issue. The French Revolution went a different direction. It took the concept of equality and placed it above liberty. That's why during the revolution 
you could have people losing their lives through these extrajudicial killings because the equality issue was more important to establish in their mind than the liberty one. It wasn't as if liberty wasn't important, but it was um, more dependent on that um, concept of equality. So what you're seeing today in the West is the ideas that led to the French Revolution, that is equality above liberty, pushing at, say, the American situation, which is liberty above equality. And that's why you have these debates around religious liberty in the United States. And so when we talk about the equality and the identity agenda, we'll begin to see what the issues are, how they emerged out of history, and how they're morphing into our culture, and that's why we're having a religious liberty debate today. And if you understand these things, mm. you can, because this understanding is absolutely essential to resolving the issues. We have to understand what the issues are before we can come up with a solution that will be acceptable to both parties. Would it be fair to say that the, the French concept of equality over liberty formed the foundation for communism? Yes. Uh, yes, because the Russian Revolution, for example was essentially closely linked with the ideas that led to the French Revolution. Uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau's ideas um, that he, that he um, enunciated in his 17, uh, 1762 book, The Social Contract, was that there should be a general will. If you want to create a good society, then you needed to have people agreeing and operating together. And so the general will would be people arriving at a conclusion as to what was good for their society and then upholding that general will and not allowing any dissent against the general will. So even though Rousseau... So an, an illiberal democracy. Yeah, and that's something that we'll be, we'll be talking, about, um, talking about later. But the idea was that the general will should rule the society and the dissent shouldn't be permitted. You decide on what's good and then you, you push the dissent to one side. And so Rousseau's ideas, um, particularly around private property, because he believed that private property corrupted people, corrupted the society, corrupted our institutions. That idea was taken up by Karl Marx and became part of essentially the communist system. This is equality over freedom. All people are equal, all people have equal property. Yeah, radical, radical equality. I can recall spending a number of weeks in Russia in 1995 and um, living in a building in which all the units were essentially the same. Uh, you had exactly the same features. You, they might be in a different configuration because of where you were in that particular building, but it was like a radical equality. Everyone was living on that level. Um, it had, in some senses, it, it meant that the extreme poverty was dealt with, but um, to get there, you really had to destroy liberty, and that's that 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 led to you know some horrible things happening in in Russia, for example, the Ukrainian um, famine in the early 1930s, the Great Terror in 1937 and 38, where you had you know more than a million extrajudicial killings in uh, in Russia. And so wherever this idea of the general will and not allowing private property, wherever that applies, 
you get these terrible conflicts um, and I think death and destruction seems to seems to follow the concept so we need to be really careful when we embrace ideas that led to the French Revolution we need to be very careful when we embrace them that we understand the significance of what we're doing mm. otherwise we can easily destroy our religious liberty by the way you get rid of religious liberty it's not going to come back quickly Mm-hmm. That's what history tells us. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Barry Harker, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM. We're going to be continuing with this series uh, throughout this week, and we have a lot more to talk about in relationship to this balance of you know freedom over equality or equality over freedom, the results of it, and how it affects religious liberty and why this is such a current issue here in Australia at this time. Right now, we do need to move on, and uh, we'll be back with The Breakfast Show just after this song. Open my lips I will sing your praise forever Open my lips, O Lord I will sing your praise Fantastic food, fun, friends, and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in, and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big, iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au 